last week, for those who were here, we were able to have uh, a guest speaker with us. His name's Tanner Sherlock. He's Chi Alpha Missionary. And he brought a word, and as I was sitting in the sanctuary, I'm sitting here thinking, uh, from my background, you know, we've got our own upbringing, and we hear things through the lens of our life. So Tanner preached about sacrifice, and I'm a good Catholic kid, so all I could think about the whole time Tanner was preaching was Lent. Uh, that season, that more traditional denomination set apart before uh, Easter, and, and the question is why. I just remember as a kid, my Lent stories, I did not eat meat on Fridays. That was a no-no. I remember thinking kids were terrible in the cafeteria at school because they were actually eating meat on Fridays. And I remember occasionally I would be crazy and I would say, I won't eat chocolate or candy for these 40 days. I don't know why I did it. I'm still not sure that was the right choice, but I just knew I was doing it. You know, and, and so really what I was missing, really what I think a lot of times we miss is what was the, the reason that. I mean, Lent, it's not about like self-depreciating ourselves or just beating ourselves up or whatever, but it was really supposed to be. The intent of that season is to do what? To prepare us for the reality of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's supposed to kind of bring our, our, our lives into a place of understanding as those events come about that we remember so that they're profound to us. But, but really what happened to me was I got lost in all that. And so as I was wrestling with the Lord and praying about what, what's next, and he reminded me of this season, the season of Lent. Like, where do I preach now? God, we went through impact and, and, and believing that we're going to have the kingdom impact that, that you've called our church to have. And and he said, well, what's Lent about? And I said, well, I guess it's about knowing you. And he said, yeah, that's right. And so as I was wrestling with that, and I started to think, but how do we get to know someone? When you fell in love with that wonderful person sitting next to you, how did you get to know them? Well, for some of us, we talked on the phone way more than we've ever talked on the phone in our entire lives, Right? I mean, now we run from it, but then all of a sudden we could talk. Or, or, or there's drives, or I, I talk about Tam and I's story, we would go on drives. And what would happen when we went on drives? We would communicate with each other. And I often would say, hey, tell me something I don't know about you. Tell me something that I'm not sure of. I mean, isn't that the way we learn about someone as we ask them questions? I mean, if you're applying for a job, what do they do? And then a bunch of questions. So if we're going to know God, and, and what really God has laid on my heart is, is that this season in preparing, and probably going to extend through the Easter, um, I'm not sure how far, because it can go on for a while, but is really let's just get to know Him. And how are we going to get to know Him? Well, if I get to know you by asking questions, then why don't we ask Him questions? And I, I go here and I, and I say this casually, I do believe that we are not mentally ill and we can hear from Jesus Christ today. And I understand that we can ask him questions. But I also know the word of God. And as I was reading through the Gospels uh, this week, and, and as I'm looking at the pages of the Gospels, what I saw time and time again were questions posed to Jesus. And these are questions that the cool thing is, guess what? We got answers. 
I mean, have you ever heard that whole thing? If you could sit down with anybody in history and ask them a question, who would it be? I mean, a lot of people will say Jesus. And the reality is, what I love about the Gospels is we have time and time again where whether it's a disciple, a Pharisee, or someone comes to Jesus and they ask him a black and white question, and Jesus gives them a black and white answer. Well, it's black and white. Sometimes it's still for interpretation, but there's an answer there. So what my desire is, and what I feel like God's drawing us to as a church, and this goes back to discipleship. I mean, Jesus told the disciples, do what? Come follow me. Why'd they follow him? So they could learn about him, so they could hear the questions and answers. This is about us growing in our faith and and growing in our understanding of who he is. I want to look at the scriptures and just look at the questions and answers. I mean, if we've got the answers to the questions, let's look at them. Let's see what we can learn about Jesus Christ, about the God that that Walt was reading about in the book of Job, the God who at times seems incomprehensible, but the reality is, is we can catch a glimpse of who he is this day. Why? Because someone asked him a question. And the beauty is, this is a, it's a testimony, right? What is a testimony in, in, in a court case? It's question and answers. We've got questions and answers about who Jesus Christ is and, and what he accomplished. And so my desire is over the next few weeks or months, we look at questions that were posed to Jesus. And we learn about the character of who he is through his answers to the questions that we've got. I mean, it's, it's there. Let's look at it. So that's where we're going. That's what we're going to do. That's where we'll be. Um, I'm going to pray and then we're going to turn. The question we're going to read today is in Matthew chapter 13. But as we're turning there, Father, we just ask your continued anointing upon our day. We thank you for what you've already accomplished in this place. For the power of God, the presence of God that you've already made known. And Lord, as we just dig a little bit in the word of God today, I pray your anointing be upon us. Holy Spirit, I pray you bring to revelation the truth. The Word of God says the truth will set us free. And I pray for the answers to the questions. I pray for the wrestling to bring us to a better knowledge of who Jesus Christ is and the fullness of His gift of eternal life, the forgiveness of sin that comes through Him. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. My question this day, it's going to seem rather obscure, and that is fine. Matthew chapter 13, verse 10, the question that I have, the disciples came to him, being Jesus, and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? The question for Jesus this morning, the question I want us to wrestle through today, is this very question, the disciples come to Jesus Christ, and they say, why? Why do you teach in parables? And I think a lot of us, uh, when, we, when we answer this question, we can come up with a, a lot of different answers. But why is Jesus in this moment, in, on this particular day, why do I say this particular day, the, the beginning of that chapter, chapter 13? There was something about this day that was pretty powerful. There was something about this day, because see, up until this day, Jesus had taught in pretty clear ways. Up until this day that we're going to read about, up until the day where this question was posed to Jesus, he was very direct in the way he spoke to the people. But on this day, something changed. What was it about this day? How do I know it was this day? Matthew chapter 13 says that same day, 
Jesus went out of the house, sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him. He got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood there on the shore. I mean, it was going to be a remarkable time. He had to go out on the water so he could speak to the crowd that was assembled. And he spoke to them many things in parables. This day there was something different. This day there was something new. There was, there was something that changed in the ministry of Jesus. There was something that changed even about his teaching style to the people. What changed this day? Well, if we keep going backwards, because we're going to have to go backwards before we can go forwards to understand the fullness of this day. I'm telling you, this day was a crazy day for Jesus Christ. If you go back in, in, in Matthew chapter 12, we're on this same day where something's changed. Matthew chapter 12. Jesus and his disciples in the beginning of Matthew chapter 12, if you want to look, they're walking around and it's the Sabbath day. It's a day of rest. And they're hungry and they're in a grain field. And so what do they do? They pick some grain, they eat it. And the Pharisees begin to question Jesus about working on the Sabbath. Now, we, we recall who the Pharisees are, right? They're the religious. They're those that have learned. They're the legalistic. They're the ones that seem to follow Christ around. They're the ones that are ultimately responsible uh, for bringing about the redemption of mankind through the death of Jesus Christ. I mean, they're the ones that were a part of that. The Pharisees, that's who they are. They were looking for the wrong in Jesus because he didn't fit what they expected or what they thought was coming. They looked at and they saw Jesus and the disciples eating grain on the Sabbath. I mean, such a terrible offense. Don't get me wrong. I, I can understand why they were so upset. Eh. Eating grain in the Sabbath. The Pharisees saw this. They said to them, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. They started to question Jesus and his followers this day. And Jesus begins to unpack the Sabbath. If you look in, in Matthew chapter 12, he responds pretty coarsely to the Pharisees. And, and he starts to tell them about the Sabbath and the heart of the Sabbath. And they don't quite get it. So we go on in this cha- chapter. And what happens? There's a man with a, a shriveled up hand, right? It's still the Sabbath. And Jesus calls him out and he, he heals him on the Sabbath. And talk about the Pharisees are like astounded. Like not only did they eat grain, but Jesus actually healed someone on the Sabbath. He's a terrible person. This day, that same day, it says in Scripture that the Pharisees were so upset that Jesus did something so indignant as heal a, a man with a shriveled hand on the Sabbath that they plotted to kill him. That's this day. This day continues and Jesus encounters a possessed man. This is towards uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 24 or so. Jesus is encountering a, a, a possessed man and on this day. Jesus has eaten grain and he's healed the sick. Guess what he does now? I mean, he is crazy. He's a lunatic. This is the Sabbath. And what does Jesus do when he encounters someone who is possessed? Oh, he sets them free. He says to the, to the possessed man, he says, you know, be set free. Uh, the, the demons leave the man who was possessed. And what do the Pharisees then say? They've already plotted to kill him. They've already told him he's a bad leader when they question the way he was leading his disciples. They look at him and say, basically, you must be of the devil. 
mean, they call, I mean, this is the day. They look at, they look at Jesus and say, um, in, in verse 24, but when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow, this lad, drives out demons. They're talking about Jesus Christ. He's there. He's come to save the world. Those who should know, those who should understand, those who have knowledge of the rest of the good news, the old They're the ones who Jesus is ministering to, and right in front of their very eyes, the works of the prophecies are being fulfilled. And what's the reality he comes to? Being accused, plotted to kill, equated with the devil. He responds to them about the nature of their heart. We start to see a picture into into the people that Jesus is ministering to that day. The day that he started to preach in parables. He preached for about two years before this day. The day that we're talking about. But suddenly that day, he realized in a moment how blind the eyes of the Pharisees were. How deaf their ears were. How how they could not see or hear anything that God was doing. He looks at them and he says, Make a tree fruit and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree uh, bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. He looks at those who called him demonically oppressed or possessed. And he said, You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. While an evil man brings evil things out of the good stored up in him. I mean, talk about a day. Jesus has gone through this. He comes home. He goes out. There's a crowd assembled. And he begins to teach. But his teaching in this moment is so different. When he stood on the boat and he began to teach and he he starts to tell parable and we'll get to that parable in a second because I believe the parable is the answer to the question. But the reality is something is so different about his teaching that his disciples are like, what is up? We've heard you teach. We've been with you. (laughs) What's going on? Why in the world are you speaking? And, And you know what the reality of it is? These are like the twelve. These are the disciples, right? They're listening to Jesus. And what is the problem? If anyone should comprehend what Jesus is saying on the boat in that moment, it is them. And Jesus is preaching and they're looking at each other like, what? What did he just say? The, the twelve, those who, who, who know Jesus Christ, they didn't comprehend what he preached. And they looked at Jesus, they're confused. Why? Why are you preaching in parables? What's happened? What has changed? And Jesus responds. We've got the, 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 the black and white response. Well, mine's in red, but black and white response of Jesus Christ. Why? He gives a direct answer. And his direct answer, it's going to be hard for us to comprehend. Why do you speak in parables? Jesus replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has more will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what, he, even what they have will be taken from them. This is 
why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will ever be hearing, or you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see it with their ears and hear with their, or with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and hear what you hear, but did not see it. There's something about the words of Jesus Christ. They said, why do you speak in parables? And he goes to a place that is hard. I speak in parables. Because the parables are revealing what? The secrets of the kingdom. We've got a kingdom. Okay, let's just say we've got our own little kingdom. We're taking this out of Scripture right now. And in my kingdom, there are secrets. Who do you want to know the secrets of your kingdom? Those who are in your kingdom or those who are outside of your kingdom? I want to tell the secrets to people I can trust. I'm not going to tell the enemy the secrets to my kingdom. And Jesus is saying, in this moment, there are people who are so hard, their, their hearts are so calloused that they can actually reject that which they've been longing for. I'm standing before them. Jesus is saying, I did what the word said was going to be done. And their eyes were so blind, they could not see the, the, the word made flesh before them. And because they could not see, he goes to Isaiah. What was Isaiah's chapter 6, where this prophecy comes from, or where this, this word comes from, this quotation comes from? Isaiah is a prophet to a people who are calloused, and, and, and their hearts are hard, and they can't hear the word that God is speaking to them. So why parables? I mean, why? I mean, it's the good news. I mean, when, when, when we want everyone to know about what Jesus is speaking, what we want everyone to know about the secrets of the kingdom of God. I mean, I feel like the kingdom of God is a secret to a lot of people, and we don't live in the kingdom today, even though we should be, and I'll get into that. But, but the reality is why? I mean, that we, that's the wrestling we have in our hearts. Why? Well, he spoke clearly up until now. He spoke plain. Up until this moment. And now those who have heard him speak clearly ask him a question as to why. Talk about the sovereignty. Walt talked about the sovereignty of God. I love that Jesus answered their question before they asked their question. Because I believe the answer is in the parable. I believe the answer to why does Jesus speak in parables is in the parable itself. What did he just say? What's the parable that's wrapped around this question? A farmer went out to sow seed. As he was scattering seed, some fell along the path. The birds came up and ate it. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but because the soil was shallow, 
Uh, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plant. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. I, that is a phrase that resounds in Scripture, and I'm telling you, it's one of those, what do you mean? Who has ears? I have ears. And he says, let you hear. What is the parable saying about the question? What is the parable showing us to this mystery that the disciples are wrestling with? They didn't get it. Why are you talking about a farmer and sowing seed right now? We want to know why you're preaching something different. What does it have to do with the secrets of the kingdom of God? But because they didn't understand, they asked for the understanding. may not seem that profound, but I'm telling you, church, it is imperative that we're willing to ask for an explanation. When we don't comprehend, when we don't understand, there's nothing wrong with saying, why? There's nothing wrong. Actually, there's something beneficial that comes to the question because then Jesus unpacks the parable for them. They're still not getting it. Like, okay, so why parables? Now you're talking about Isaiah and hard hearts and whatever else. We just want to know why you got on the boat and started telling silly stories. And Jesus begins to unpack. The answer to the why is a challenge to us today. He says in verse 19, listen to what the parable, this is verse 18, of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed that is sown along the path. Now we're not what happens on a path? We walk, right? Okay, I, I, I'm just making sure we're all in the same place. That wasn't a trick question. What happens when we walk on a path? When we start compacting all that stuff that's underneath our feet. I mean, the first time we walk... On what we think will be a path, there's not much there. But as we walk day after day after day after day, that path becomes more and more without life, right? And Jesus is using that path as an analogy for what's happening with the Word that, that He's sowing, the seed that He's sowing. There are some pointing his, his fingers right at the Pharisees. The ritual of your life, the repeated nature of what you're doing, the reality that you don't have to think where you're going, but you just walk the same way, you always walk for the same results, that reality has made it impossible for the Word of God to penetrate your heart. What happens when you sow seed on the path? The ground is so hard, it can't go inside. What happened with the word that Jesus was preaching to the Pharisees? Their hearts were so hard, the very word of God, the very seed of God, would be Jesus Christ, right? I mean, if you want to go to the seed analogy, Jesus Christ could not penetrate their soil. 
Their hearts were so hard, they couldn't receive the good news. But he didn't stop there. He said, yeah, but, you know, there's other seed. The one who received the seed, and it fell on uh, rocky places. That man who he is, is the one who hears the word at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, it only lasts a, a short time. So trouble or persecution comes because of the word. He, he quickly falls away. The first one I said had a hard heart. The second one I want to say has a hard head. And there's so many times that we hear the Word of God. And it's a good word. We're challenged by the Word of God. Jason and Taylor, or, or Connor and, and, and Jason were, were, ta- were challenged by the Word of God last week. But what I watch time and time again is, is we hear a, a word from God, and boy, in that moment, it's incredible. In that moment, Pastor was spot on. In that moment, whatever happened, happened, and we knew it was the truth. And then a day or a week or an hour later, we forget completely about what God did. You see, God's into connecting with our heart, but He also wants to connect with our head. Scripture says if you confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Then you'll be saved. That's this head connection, head connection, head connection and heart connection that we're looking for. There's so many times that that we hear the word of God. It's a good word of God. It challenges our heart. There's something in us. We don't know why. But boy, when Pastor talked today, he was talking to me when I listened to that song. It spoke to me when I read the word of God. It jumped out of my face. And it's like profound. But we never dig deeper. We never make room. We never make it so like that can really take root. I mean, you know, that it can actually go, go deep in the ground and, and have roots that will withstand when trials or troubles come. So life gets busy again. The rocks come up. Those hard things that, that prevent this from going. Those, those things that kept us from digging deeper, whether it was ourself or our time or our energy, our efforts, whatever it might have been. Even just our selfishness of knowing what was going to happen if we dug deeper or what we would, might find. The work that might be involved. And so we just let it spring up and it dies. He goes on to say, well, I guess I should read the other verse. I had hard heads. They will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will, be, we will grow to become and ever respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. I know this has taken a while to get there, but I want to answer the question of the why. Why do you speak in parables? We've got to look at the next Example, because I believe it's all about kingdom living. I believe the parables, Jesus said, are to reveal the secrets of the kingdom of God. And I believe that church, I believe the biggest problem with with, with many in the church is that we're not living in the kingdom of God. We're living in the kingdom of this world. But the reality is, is that we're called to live in the kingdom of God. And we have to be reminded about the kingdom of God and what the kingdom offers. You see, it says there's some that fell among the thorns. Those refer to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke, choke the word, making it unfruitful. And you say, Pastor, how are you going to kingdom living when you're talking about worries and wealth? 
Worries and wealth are of this kingdom, the kingdom of this earth. What do worries say? What are worries speaking? Where's our trust in worries? Be anxious about... Why are you anxious about these things? Even the birds of the air, he, he clothes and takes care of. I believe that, that, the, that the part of thorns, the part that, that he's speaking to, is this duality of life that so many of us live in. We want to live in the kingdom of God, but we also want to live in the kingdom of this world. And we struggle in submission to kingdom living. That is deep. I believe so many times we're so overwhelmed with what we see. We talked about it in men's Bible study. We read a, 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 a psalm where it talks about all the trials, all the troubles, all the things that we're facing and the reality that we're, we're in despair and we're without hope. But, I said in, in, in that proverb, it was, but I know who God is. Kingdom living is it's not about what I see with my eyes, but it's about what I know who he is. It's about I know the love of God, the promise of God, the provision of God. It doesn't matter. I don't have to be worried. I don't have to store up treasures on this earth where moth and rust destroy because I've got a king who will take care of me. If we won't live in the kingdom, we don't trust the king. Why parables? To reveal the secrets of the kingdom. To show you that you've got a God. What is his promise to those who live in the kingdom? What is kingdom living in the parable? Well, there's some seed that fell on good soil. And because the seed fell on good soil, what happened? There was fruit. Why parables? It's not about the seed. It's about the soil. Why does Jesus speak in parables? It's not about the word that he's speaking as much about the ground that he's sowing. He wants to sow in you fruit. He wants to sow in your life seed that brings fruit. But sometimes we have to go deeper. Sometimes we have to say why. Sometimes we have to stop and think about what's being said and dig in the Word of God. Pastor, that doesn't make a lot of sense what you said. Well, dig deeper. I don't understand this. It doesn't... It doesn't jive with my understanding of the rest of Scripture, then I challenge you just to keep digging and see what the Word of God is. Ask Him. Guess what? He's given us the Spirit of God who brings revelation. Maybe like Mike's pencil, you'll hear His voice. Why parables? Because we need the secrets of the kingdom. And he wants to reveal them in your life. Maybe there's hard paths. I talked about my history, my Catholic history, where I didn't get Lent 
I mean, that was a hard path I walked back and forth. That was a hard path that I just didn't get. Uh, and, I, and I'd walk that every year, and I did it right. And I'm guaranteeing you God is sowing seed as I'm walking on that path. But because I just don't get it, and I've left that ground hard, the seed is not coming in. He wants to break up the paths in your life. Why parables? Because He wants to, to, to break up paths. He wants to soften your heart. He wants to remove those rocks that don't let the seed go very deep. The anxieties, the fears, the worries, all that stuff. The thorns that choke out the, the, the fruit that He's producing in your life. Why? Because He's got fruit. He's got kingdom fruit. That is your fruit. Why does he speak in parables? Because he wants to sow in your life deep. He wants you to ask him why. He wants you to draw near to him and say, hey, just bring this to life before me so I can understand your truths. And I can live in the fullness of the kingdom of God. You guys can come forward. I want to know God more. I want to wrestle with who He is. I believe that God is leading our church. We're talking about in, impact, and I believe that we're sowing the King's seed, but I also believe that He's sowing seed in our lives. I believe, I said it in Sunday school, I believe our church is entering into a season of harvest. I believe there is fruit that is coming for our church. But I know that in order for fruit to be produced, I've got to look at myself. How's his seed doing in your life? What's his seed producing in your home? Why parables? He wants to reveal the secrets of the kingdom. He wants you to be a wellspring of life overflowing with fruit. He wants 160, 30 times yield in your crops, in your, in your life. Why? Because He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. How is your soil? Maybe it needs to be broken up a little bit. Maybe some of your understanding of even God and and who He is, Jesus Christ, and what He's done. Maybe it needs to be shuffled around a little bit, broken up a little bit, so, so that seed can go deeper. Maybe there's rocks that have been preventing. You know, you heard the Word of God, but, but you left and you got busy. You left and you got worried. You left and troubles came and you said, forget about this, I'll deal with it when I can. How's your soil? Maybe your soil seems fine, but there's thorns all around. The thorns are because you're in the wrong kingdom. Your heart's in the right place, but, but your mind and, and, and your kingdom living is, is that where the thorns, where'd they come? I wasn't planning on going here. Where did the thorns appear in Scripture? Anybody know? We came when the fall man came, Right? Where did the thorns come from? It was the result of the fall. That was outside of the kingdom. So if I start to see thorns in my life, guess what it should remind me? I need to get back in the kingdom. I need to remind myself of the king's promise. 
Why? Because he sees you as good ground. Father, I thank you this morning for the word of God. I thank you for the questions that we wrestle through. Father, I pray that as we've looked at the word of God today, and I know it's been extensive, but God, I pray that there's those Holy Spirit moments that sear in us. As we talked about the Pharisees, maybe we realized hardness in our hearts. As we talked about those who were blind to what Jesus was doing before them, God, maybe we realized we're missing out on something that you've been doing. Maybe as we talked about rocks or we talked about thorns, you started to reveal in us. You challenged us to dig deeper, to, to get rid of those anxieties, to completely remove the thorns that are, that are choking out the work that you want. Whatever it might be, God, I pray the secrets of the kingdom of heaven be revealed in us. In whatever we need to do, whatever you're calling us to do, whatever you're stirring us in us to do this day, God, I pray that we respond to the direction of your Holy Spirit. So if you need to break, if you need to, to remove, if you need to uproof, whatever it takes, God, I desire good fruit. This morning is... We conclude the service and Walton Carey lead us in a chorus. I just encourage you to respond how God, how the Spirit of God has stirred in your heart to respond. Maybe you just need to stop and think. Maybe you need to ask why. Why today, God? Why this? I don't want to hear that today. Why did pastor go there? Maybe you just need to listen to the Spirit of God as to what he's saying to you this morning. If you want someone to pray with you, I'll be here to pray. If you say, I know I've got some hard places in my life, and that's going to take a lot of work. I want to pray with you. Those hard places can be broken. If you've got rocks that you say, these are too big for me to lift, I want to come alongside of you and help you dig those rocks out of your life. If you say, the thorns, I, they have poked me out. It hurts. i got some gloves I'll put on, and I'll help pull those, those thorns out so that the fruit, the life that God has for your, your soil would come forth. I'm redeemed, amen? It's a redemption of every promise He's made, every value He's given, every, every word He's spoken. I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? I want to be good soil. Amen? I want to see the King's harvest. Amen? Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, may He turn His face towards you and grant you His peace. And may your soil be good. And may that seed spring up within you. Amen? Be blessed.